I don't then, need to interrupt Dan, but sure, I have sure, to sure. talk to you about something. Okay. okay. And that has to do with music documentaries, which is just, okay. okay. So last episode, you said that everyone should watch the, um, fat records, fat yeah. records documentary. So Sarah and I watched it. It was pretty good. Standard music documentary level. I thought it was, right, 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 it right, was right. good, but you didn't mention the puppets. Have the movies puppets, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was a little thrown dude, off. Dude, <laughs> I forgot about the puppets. dressed i'm dan and i'm eric and we're laughing yeah we're laughing because my first two times of trying to do that didn't go so well that was the third take you guys are hearing we're and you laughed through it so we're we're evolving super solid (laughs) yeah yeah i laughed through it so we're evolving and uh yeah today we are going to talk to obs who I don't know about you, Eric, but I am super excited to talk to him. It yep. is stoked. If you guys don't remember, we reviewed his uh, album a couple episodes back, and he's part of the Quad Cities, more specifically Rock Island hip hop scene, which is mm-hmm. something we don't really. Um, well, I mean, uh, this is the first time we've had a hip hop artist on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So. I'm super excited about it. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to that, uh, just a reminder, we're on Spotify. Uh, we are on uh, Content Made Right. And uh, we are on Transistor, um, Amazon, Google, and uh, pretty much anywhere you uh, can find your podcast. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, hit us up if you have any requests for records uh local or non-local um any uh guests to interview or have on or if you just want to say hi uh hit us up on either one of those platforms that brings us to some music news it's kind of been a little um weird in the music news world Hmm. these days so there there were there were a couple of interesting things that caught my eye the first one is that uh, apparently there's an elementary school that shamed an eighth grader who thought that Nirvana was a clothing brand. Hmm. Now I think it was a joke. Mm-hmm. I think it's Yeshiva Har Torah okay. and they're an Orthodox elementary school in Queens, New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, they uh, tweeted out this school dress code update. Students cannot wear clothing with the name of any musician or band, unless the student can name at least three of their songs. The eighth grader who said, I thought Nirvana was a clothing brand last week has been suspended indefinitely. We recognize this incident has proven upsetting to some members of the Gen X community. We will be gathering to heal together. All are welcome to bring a flannel shirt, Dr. Martens, a yellow disc man with minimum 30 seconds of skip protection, and an all-around dour demeanor. I think is this I real? Mean, it had to have been a joke. Well, what? Where is I, it from? I think. Well, it's from Metal Injection, but it's also been on Metal Sucks. 
I think that it really was actually like a tweet that uh, somebody must have just tweeted as a joke. If it is a joke, I do think that it's a pretty <laughs> funny one because what it I is think, funny. I think it might be poking fun at how ridiculous right. boomerism kind of is. If I you agree. Because that is some uh, scene cop shit as far as I'm concerned. If I were wearing a shirt and someone came up and said, can you name three songs by them? I would be like so mad. I would just tell them to get bent. I wouldn't. I don't know. I think I would just be like, yeah, I can name three. And then I would name the three songs and I would purposely make them songs by other bands. (laughs) There you go. You know what I mean? Like, like, oh, you're wearing a Ramon shirt. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, Ramon's is a really cool clothing brand, which they basically were, if you think about it. I mean, they are now. There was that. There was that quote that if um, I don't remember who it was, but said something about if Ramones would have sold as many records as as they did T-shirts, mm-hmm. they would be like rich. Mm-hmm. And I guess my response: Nah, they would still be dead. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I, w- I almost said they would have nicer gravestones, but yeah, Johnny <laughs> literally has a life-size statue of himself, right? Who does Johnny Ramone at the no Hollywood idea. cemetery? I, I really had no idea. Uh, anyway, I would love to go visit any of the Ramones gravestones though. I mean, well, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't, I don't know, but yeah, it, it's a, a big full size statue. So even in death, he was an egotistical asshole. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I didn't know him, but we should stop talking about the dead like that though i guess i should stop talking about the dead you're not the one doing it sorry eric didn't mean to drag you into this oh that's okay maybe we should talk about the dd king record instead dd king (laughs) is that 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 rap record he did it's phenomenal i'm not even no is is that really what it is yeah and it rules yeah i i I, it looks like something i would appreciate uh because people just like because of the of the fact that everybody else seems to kind of like hate it and i figure if you're gonna appreciate it i'm gonna appreciate i don't think they listen to it i think they heard the single funky man which is pretty bad yeah uh but the majority of the record really isn't that sure like real songs um baby doll is like a really actually amazing song with some of the funniest lyrics I've ever heard and unintentionally funny. So there is a bit of irony to enjoying it, but it's really good. Like, yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, there's a lot of records like that, that everybody likes to just sort of hate on that. I, I will defend to the end. Uh, One of them and this, this, you might even like dislike this, Eric. I don't know. Hmm. I will defend vanilla ice's first album to the end. You to, mean the ex- to the extreme to the extreme dude <laughs> i will defend it to the extreme uh i've never listened to it so i, I, I will love no. love love it nice i mean it's seriously like i am that that kid that just never got over it when i oh, listened to it in fifth grade we should have a guilty pleasures episode we should but i don't really like that's the. I mean, thing. I, I don't, don't really believe in guilty pleasures. Yeah, I, I don't really. I mean, I you like what you like, man. Yeah, but things that seem like maybe no one else in the world could possibly like them. Yeah, that, that might 
sure. come across as sort of a guilty pleasure. But yeah, I have a yeah, few. Yeah. I have a few that I adore that other people, most other people, can't stand. Same here. Now, speaking of guilty pleasures, mm-hmm. um, let's move on to what could definitely be considered a guilty pleasure to some people. That's Avril Lavigne. Mm-hmm. I, I actually kind of like Avril Lavigne. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I, I don't have a problem with her. I, yeah. I've not heard it. So I've heard the singles, I guess. Like, so you've heard the song Skater Boy. Yeah, I heard that one. She's announced mm-hmm. that she plans to make it into a movie. Gleaming the Cube. They already made that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. They did, didn't they? Wow, dude. That would be great if all it was was just like a remake of Gleaming the Cube. <laughs> and it's a frog uh, on a on a bicycle. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Here comes yeah. that boy. Isn't that B-O-I? Yes. That the character. So skater boy. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I think I see what you did there. Yeah. But with with um big boy from Outcast's head. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is this is that what she has planned? I hope so. Did we just if, guess it? If perfectly? not, we need to tag her immediately and make her listen to this <laughs> so that she can like hear our awesome idea and possibly yeah. do it. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, um, uh, yeah, let's talk to OBS, man. Yeah, we need to get to it. We need to get to awesome. OBS. All right, so here we go. Zoom. <laughs> yo, yo. Hey, hey what's going how's it on, going? man? Yo, how are we feeling? Ah, uh, feeling good. How are you feeling? Ah, uh, we, you know, we good. We can't complain even when we can't complain, you know? <laughs> So, OBS, I guess uh, the first question sure. that I, I'm going to ask, I know that uh, you kind of uh, don't necessarily identify completely as a rapper, or maybe I'm mistaken there, but that's kind of the, the vibe that I get in some of the research that I've done. Uh, yeah. It looks like uh, maybe you at first, anyway, kind of more identified as a poet. Is, is that kind of accurate? Would you say? Yeah, yeah. All together, I just, I just tell people I'm a creative. Like it's just like I just love to create anything with words. Like whether it's poetry, spoken words, spoken raps, rap, battle rap. Like I'm into all those aesthetics, you know. So I just, I'm just a creative when it comes to, to words. That's why I just turn myself all together, creative. Sure. Well, we listened to your album as you, as you heard, and both really, really enjoyed it. What led you to be a creator? um well like i've been i've been writing ever since i was like 12 like so like first and foremost like i i, I was born and raised in the town rock island rock town rock island and all when i first kind of like under like when i first i told I always tell people i kind of feel like a fish out of water with like how i was introduced to poetry because um it was rap that introduced me to poetry which in a sense is still poetry you know but that's a whole you know nuanced conversation but i feel like when i uh when i found out about po- when i found out about rap like being in the household that I lived in, like my parents were uh, were like very kind of conservative Christian and all that. So I grew up not really listening to any music outside of like gospel music and stuff like that. So like when I found rap music, it kind of was like, <laughs> it's, I kind of felt like it's when I found rap music, I found it like when I was like 12 years old, you know, cause I'd go home early hours before my parents turn on BET. I'd watch the basement and just be like super, just like in awe of like what was happening, like with this aesthetic, you know, that was kind of like poetry, but with, with rhythm and stuff. So like the people who inspired me to do poetry was Nas, uh, Buster Rhymes, Missy Elliott, Ludacris, Wayne, 
rappers insp- inspired me to do poetry all together, you know, but I never thought I could like, I because I had like very, I was awkward. I saw I'm an awkward person, but I was very like, I was awkward plus had low self-esteem, low confidence in myself when I was junior high up through high school and stuff. So I didn't think I could really do rap. So I just kind of stuck with just writing poems and keeping them to myself. But it was something I was always passionate about. Like my freshman year college, I, I majored in creative writing because I want to be a short story writer, you know? So creativity has always been there, but like as a performing art, it didn't really turn into a thing. That really wasn't introduced to me until I was like 24, 25, when I found out about spoken word poetry. And that was kind of my connection of like, wow, I've been writing poetry and this is kind of like rap. So I think I'm going to try this aesthetic out, you know? And history was kind of made from there. So when you when you uh, perform live, do you find yourself ending up on more like hip hop showcases or more like spoken word showcases or does it or do you just get on whatever whatever works yeah i kind of just i, I kind of just get on whatever works and kind of just uh just uh try to i try nowadays i try to involve both aesthetics you know if i i just actually did a show this past weekend in more in illinois and um i did rap and i did like some rap and then i did some poetry you know so i try mm-hmm. to like which is kind of being a creative i try to give myself the freedom to do like what i want to do wherever i want to do whether it's at a coffee shop uh, whether it's at um, this uh, music venue, I always try to involve both aesthetics so people get the full range of like who I am. And again, it, it doesn't, it, it, in that way, I'm not pigeonholing myself, you know? So mm-hmm. I like being able to do both aesthetics, but it's wherever, oh. wherever, wherever, I, wherever I'm booked. Gotcha. Sure. Yeah. Do you, do you get booked in on punk shows and stuff like that as well? Being from Rock Island ever? I've been on a couple, I've been on a couple punk shows cause I, I have a couple homies uh, who come from that community and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everlasting Light. Those are my homies. I actually did some collaborations with them. Um, oh, cool. On my uh, Abism's Chapter Two project, which is on Spotify and stuff like that. So, like, I, I, I've done, I've done a couple, I've done a couple like punk rock shows and stuff like that. So, uh, I feel like that's where kind of like my my range of creativity comes from too. Like, I think I'm just being somebody who who's who's been involved in the rap community, the spoken word community. The, the punk community in, in some sort of a way, even even soul music, like even the soul music, neo fusion jazz community and stuff. I feel like being involved in all these different circles, they kind of just make me more creative in what I do. So I I like working with I like working with different creatives as long as we have like a same like vibration really art wise mm-hmm. have kind of the same alignment of like where we want what we want to do creatively. Like I'm always down for doing like sure. collabs with different aesthetics, you know. Sure. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, you've been you've been from the Quad Cities, like born and raised in the Quad Cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took like I've been here for the most m- majority of my life. You know, like I, I pretty much I I pretty much just say thirty years now. But like even even like my the only times I didn't live in the Quad Cities were like my two years outside of uh when I went to community college and shit like that. But that was only for like a two year span. You know, so I've been 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 in the Quad Cities more than I have been in the Quad City. So I I call it. I call it home specifically, you know, the town, Rock Island and all. So mm-hmm. quite sure. a city for sure. Being from, uh, you know, like the Midwest, when you think of like rap music and like, you know, all the different coasts and everything, uh, you know, this isn't necessarily specifically a place where you think of that. Did you find it difficult at all? Like, you know, getting out and performing, doing the spoken word poetry slash hip hop thing at first? any challenges were involved or do you feel like you mm. kind of got accepted in the community right away? 
it was definitely a it was definitely building a foundation honestly man for sure like i think like again i started like spoken word was kind of my first aesthetic that i started doing performatively and then like two two and a half three years later was like when rap kind of came in but with spoken word i feel like it's just been kind of a building of a foundation and not to say that like spoken word poetry what spoken word poetry was here before i was here like you have guys like rewind who's also from a rock island who who does amazing stuff as a creative like like his resume is just too big of like stuff he's done like the people he's written for and stuff like that but like i say i'll just say that like, spoken word always existed before i did but like it's always been in kind of very compartmentalized communities you know so for me like the hardship was like um it i feel like it was hard like now now that i kind of look back at like kind of like my my journey of just doing creativity in the last seven years like there's a lot like it's I can, I can kind of see where things were kind of hard for me, but I feel like I was always kind of a person who just didn't really look at the, 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 the hard isms of things, you know, just like, I, I never paid attention to how like spoken word wasn't much of a, an aesthetic in community. I, I, always, I always still try to find a place like, okay, like there's people who don't know spoken word. There's people who don't like it. I'm gonna still find a space. But with that said, like I've been kicked out of places because uh, people not liking, not liking what they heard. Like I've been kicked wow. out of a, uh, because people didn't really vibe or get what was going on. So they'd just be like, okay, who didn't like what's going on? So could you leave? Boom, like that. So I took a lot of losses like that, you know? Like, mm. <laughs> I've even had cats. I've even had homies. There was a show I did. Uh, this was only about, like, two, three. This was three years ago. This is out 2018, actually. There was a show I did out in East Moline. I had this little open mic that my homie wanted me to show up to because nobody was there. I was like, okay, I got you. So I gave him a little 15-minute set. And during my set, this uh, dude in the back, like, yells out in the middle of one of my pieces. Like, he's like, can somebody turn the music back on? And like, I just kept doing my piece. Cause like, I, again, like I'm, I I know I, like it's gotten to a place where I don't really get offended by it. I get it. Like I get the demographic where like the quad cities is the quad cities. Like it's as big as it is, it's very small and doesn't really, it's, 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 it's slow to catch on, on to a lot of things aesthetically when it comes to art and other things, you know? So sure. I never really took offense to it, but I think it's just showing of like how hard it is. So it, it has been a challenge, but it hasn't because I really, I guess I, I really hasn't, I really haven't paid attention to the challenge, you know, like nothing's really kind of stopped me from doing shit that I want to do. So right. it's been a challenge, but it's just like at the end of the day, it is what it is. And we're still going <laughs> to do the shit we, we do, which kind of, yeah. which kind of led, led to the start of Roaring Rhetoric, the open mic that mm -hmm. I started about seven years ago, you know, for spoken word and poetry and shit like that. Nice. Wow. Straight up DIY. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. Hey, you know, I'll be telling it's. I'm telling you, like it's. I feel like that's what a lot of the, uh, like the uh, rap spoken word community is really kind of comprised. Like it was kind of like a, kind of build, kind of builds their. That's what we kind of build our culture off of, just doing it ourselves. You know, because like, mm -hmm. it's just like it. Even with like how slow people are to accept rap as like a thing in the Quad Cities, just for different reasons, like different like preconceived notions of people thinking rap is super vulgar it's always going yeah. to violence like I've, I've had the most ridiculous conversations with folks who who have this perception about rap that isn't a thing like i've had homies come up i've had people i should say homies people who came up to me like who would say like oh i've been in the quad seats for 30 years and every rap show i've done has had shootings and i'm like in my mind i'm like well what did you do wrong because i've been doing it for seven years i've never seen one shooting like right. so there's there's something that you're doing that's wrong. Like it ain't rap. Mm. It's something that your ass is doing. That ain't yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, but even with that, like, yeah. I feel like it's kind of like made the culture kind of embody the spirit of like, you know, if it's DIY, like we, we make something out of nothing. There's just something about that spirit of just like creating, even with all this like cynicism or kind of like this doubt 
against, you know, it's made for really dope ass artists. Like I'm always quick to shout out like guys like Torian Ball, who, mm-hmm. uh, who who's from East Moline, who literally like does rap as a full time thing. Like mm. he does it. So he's one guy, you know, and Xavier Ruzon, who's an amazing artist, one of my favorite artists in the Quad Cities, I think, to really like make the strides that he's done. Like he just signed a distribution deal with like a, like with a music label outside of the country, you know. So mm-hmm. like for artists like that to come out of the Quad Cities, like it kind of is just showing of like like it's it's built they they built their shit off of just DIY. We we make some we make something out of nothing and do it well, you know. So I love that. I love it though, you know. I I love that. I love kind of being a part of that kind of like mm-hmm. spirit, you know, of uh, creativity. Absolutely, nice. and I feel like that's what hip hop was basically founded on. Anyway, if you do the history, oh, yeah. I mean that it was literally making something out of nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 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 It's, 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 it's just a part of that narrative. You're absolutely right in that. I had, um, I was, I've, li- I listened to Abism and uh, Abism's two. They're phenomenal. I, I love them. Oh, Especially Ab- Abism's two is just killer. And one thing I, I noticed, that. and this is going to sound like a kind of convoluted esoteric sort of question, but I'm going to ask it because one thing I noticed throughout all of the stuff, but especially in Obisms too, there's a healthy dose of irreverence throughout the whole thing. And what I mean, it's it's not like obstinate, it's not defiant, it's just a not accepting of the system and not accepting of like those in charge. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I just wondered, like for Dan and I, I know that our history and background is punk rock, so that's an easy connection to make like when did you question start questioning things as they were for us it's easy it's probably like well when i heard minor threat or whatever but i was wondering in your life did you pick up that element of questioning authority from other artists or was it uh someone in your life or the environment around you like what sort of led you to question everything you know at least in a healthy way like i accept this element but i don't accept it without caveats i don't accept it wholly without thinking it through like what led Mm -hmm. you to sort of like look at the world that way like yeah questioning yeah i think it's it it was art art all in general kind of provoked that in me you know like that's why i tell people like at the end of the day like um with what i do as a creative like even just 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 like even the doing the little things like being able to like make it make being a creative a career like i i enjoy creativity because it made me really question myself and question things around me and all the more really be able to make me like it it provoked me to find who i am you know which didn't happen until i was a whole ass 25 years old but (laughs) better late than never you know shit but um i think art did that all together you know like i remember vividly i think when when i started really kind of being in that space of like being okay with like like a healthy dose of skepticism, as you said, like it was when I was 25 and like, and this, I guess this, this, this kind of shows just all the more how much of, of a fish out of water, I guess, uh, my kind of narrative has been, but like at 25, like I was, uh, at 20 from, from age 25 to, uh, 20, I was really involved in organized religion, like Christianity and stuff like that. Cause again, like I went to, uh, I went to a freaking, um, my parents again, like they were, they, my parents now are pastors, you know, they're pastors in a, and downtown Rock Island and stuff like that. So like I grew up around that and also kind of like going out to college uh, in Fort Dodge, Iowa, where our campus was next to a church and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I kind of found myself kind of being involved in like organized religion and stuff like that to the point where like I was like leading like youth ministry and shit like that, uh, campus ministry, ministry and stuff like that. And like I was even planning at church planning, but there was something that happened when I was 25. It was a big story, but like pretty much I got to a place where I started realizing that like the church I was specifically at, I kind of realized that they weren't really about me as much as I thought they were, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like when yeah. all the things like with Alton Sterling happened with Lando and all that stuff happening. Plus, like I had a lot of personal stuff happening in my life, like getting out of uh, just getting out of an engagement where I was cheated on and stuff like that and dealing mm-hmm. with all that and seeing kind of the church's response to that. And all these things happening where like the church's response was a very kind of like insensitive and very weird and kind of cultish in a sense, you know, like yeah. when, when I, whenever I would raise my whenever I like voice my opinions on what I was seeing on TV with like Philando or Alton Sterling, I had like church folks come up to me and say the most like outlandish crap ever, you know, saying like, well, you know, Trayvon probably deserved what he got or, hey, you probably shouldn't like talk about your black stuff on Facebook because it makes us uncomfortable and we don't like to be uncomfortable. So you should probably take that down. And like, it kind of took all that to be like, you know what, like, they fuck it with me. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was just like, out of that, out of that, I kind of just yeah. got found. I, I I got to a place where I left to start really questioning why I was involved in this in the first place, what happened, and pretty much like finding out the other end of it. You know, just like the doubt and cynicism of just like just really kind of just picking apart like American American Christianity. I so right. like I always try to yep. like differentiate American Christianity to like how faith is practiced outside the country and shit mm-hmm. like that because. How we practice it here is, is fucked up, <laughs> you know, yeah, sure. how, yep. it's regardless of how you try to dance around it, it it's, it's messed up, you know? So mm-hmm. like I got to a place of really kind of questioning, like really kind of like really figuring out what God is to me, I guess, in a right. sense, because like I always believed in like God, universe, whatever you will, whatever that is to you. It could be like it could be whatever at this point in my, my philosophy, yeah. you know, but yep. I started realizing like I started really questioning what that meant to me and what that looks like in my like current time and that kind of just led to like really changing my perspective on like how i view my politics uh how i viewed art altogether and um that's where it really started like happening and like with that like i was grateful to have like homies like come alongside me during the journey who were also in the same place like yo like we actually Mm -hmm. questioned this too like and i found this out and this out i'm like oh shit let me (laughs) let me peep that real quick start getting to different authors different like spiritual Mm -hmm. teachers and shit like that who weren't christian and kind of seeing like these common threads, but also seeing the things that were destructive, being able to make the different differentiation, you know. So that's where that kind of happened. But altogether, yeah. art was kind of the force that kind of like allowed that question to happen, which I try to let my art do at the same time. Like, so I'm okay. glad you said to me because, like, I tell people at the end of the day, like, my art, like, I love creating because, like, creating is just yeah. fun as hell. But yeah. at the end of the day, I want my art to be able to provoke thought and sure. possibly movement if that could happen, you know. But yeah, sure. No, that's exactly what I was asking about um, was because I'm not a religious person and I really liked how you approached it where you were, it seemed like you were saying, look, I believe in aspects of this thing, but I don't believe in every element and I don't believe it blindly. And I don't, I don't just believe what I'm told. And it's like you internalized your belief system and use it in your life, but you don't you're not telling other people to do it or how to do it, or even that you blindly follow it. And I, I just really appreciated that because yeah, it's, yeah. it's something you don't hear very often. So exactly. My, my thing is just like, yeah, it's just like, it's, I always tell people, it's just like, it's tell how it is. Like I, I try to be a real, like a realist, I guess, just like seeing things, how I see them and like not really having like a, 
an optimism or a, a cynicism, like intentionally, but just saying like, this is what I kind of see. Right. And like, maybe you didn't see it. And if you didn't, dope, we can talk about it. And then maybe, and maybe I'm wrong too. You know, it's, it's always, mm-hmm. I always try to leave that open openness of like, I'm still uncertain about shit. This is just right. what I kind of, what I kind of saw, you know, but Which it's just is like, rare look- from an artist, especially in hip hop to, to yeah. show that sort of like, I don't have all the answers, you know, that's like pretty cool. So, yeah, I appreciate that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is, I guess, kind of a curiosity because on the record that we reviewed, the II and OI, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of interludes. I know the first track. I'm assuming you're you're talking to your father, right? Yeah. Is there any relation to that? Just out of curiosity, that conversation to you were kind of talking about. You sort of you kind of started to sort of question things in the church, and you mentioned that your parents are both pastors, correct? And yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. is there any relation to that on the on the album? Was this was that record kind of like re- fully realizing what your intentions were when you kind of uh, started questioning things, the the church yeah. and your beliefs and things like that and faith? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I feel like I mean, just just the title of the uh, project in and out of it. That's something mm-hmm. that's from the Bible. You know, it's just like what I again, like I've kind of like I've learned it like for me, like. The Bible is, it's, it's, it's a book that it's just a book, you know, what you pull from it is what you pull from it. Some people pull some pretty messed up stuff out of it. Some people pull some really beautiful things out of it. It's just whatever you make it. So for me, I said to say, like, when I, like, when I kind of took that title in and out of it, I kind of like looked at that into like perspective of like my life now and like what in and out of it means to me, you know, it might not be the same thing for the reformed Christian cat over here, but like for me, like it, it just meant kind of like, living in kind of like this duality of being like fully present with like everything happening with me, like being able to feel it all, but not allowing myself to like be fucked up while I'm feeling everything, you know, Mm -hmm. feeling the fact of like the reality of me being black because we're black, you know, that reality of like realizing that like there's certain shit that I can't do because I'm black, but realizing that, but not, it's kind of, but still kind of like not allowing that struggle, trying not to allow that struggle to like mess with my, my, my mental my mental patterns, my emotional patterns, my spiritual patterns, even like physical patterns, you know, all that. So that kind of came out of that, like, of just like, uh, just just taking this kind of like religious text and kind of like, kind of broadening, broadening, broadening that philosophy, you know? Cause like I said, like, even with the, with the uh, space of religion, like I tell people like all the time for me, like, even though I don't, like, I don't count myself Christian in any way, shape or form, I still consider myself religious, religious, because like I think my 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 whole definition. I think the definition of religion is just believing in something that like mm-hmm. orchestrates your thought patterns about life, yourself, and the shit around you. You know, I think everybody kind of has that. So for me, I have religion. My religion is just to <laughs> to be. You know, if I if I send something good, dope. If I send something that's not good, dope. That's just that's just my religion. You know, and I feel like with my parents and all that, even with them being like pastors and all that. Um, even though we have differentiating like perspectives of all, all that, I understand kind of like I like I I again like being somebody again who believes like in in God but doesn't really put a, a name pronoun or whatever on him, like I still I still understand the importance of spirituality to black communities, you know, and like for me, that's why I tell people like for me, that's why I've learned that like when I tell people like even in the space of religion, like I, I'm in it in the sense that like I know the philosophies. Like you talk about the stories, I know the stories, but I'm not of like the the dogmatism of it. But mm-hmm. there's still an importance that like is very empowering to people who are black when it comes to spirituality, you know. 
which I think is like an important thing to kind of like uh, keep in mind with that. So I, yeah. I got to say one side note, because I'm looking at the track list of the album, Little Uzi Introvert is one of the best he, titles. Yeah, <laughs> that was a fun little record. I think that was our first record we ever did for the, yeah, that's our, that was our first record we recorded for the In and Out of a Project, actually. Oh, was it? Yeah, completely first. Now, do, yeah, you, first. do you make the beats or is there other people that kind of make beats as well? Or do you make beats oh, as yeah. well? No, a lot of my, a lot of my, a lot of my homies make beats. So all the projects I do, like they're all from like homies that I personally know and stuff like cool. that. You know, like, if, if I didn't know them going into the project, I knew, I knew them by the end of it. Cause like that collaboration is important to me. So like for, for in and out of it, I had beats produced by my homie, uh, King Supreme, who's a DJ in the Quad City, super badass DJ and beat producer. I had beats from, uh, my homie Oscar Franklin from the UK, who mm -hmm. I became friends with, with this project. He, he produced a friend's track. The Friends beat, he produced that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I had a guy, like my, my guy, Wes Julian, who produced the Cuz We Black beat, you know, like, so mm -hmm. I myself, the beat making is a very particular aesthetic that like, I'm like, it's that, it takes a lot of time to figure that out. So I, I like to just trust my homies who are already good at that and who mm -hmm. kind of know my ear for sounds because I'm very particular about sounds. Like there's a certain sound I kind of like go for. And like it, you guys listening to the project, like you probably can kind of sense like a mm -hmm. kind of a, a common thread of the sounds, you know, the kind of sure. soul, funk, sure, boom, bad type shit, you know. Sure. But yeah, I like I like collaborating with beat producers more than making beats because, again, like I could do that on my own, but it kind of takes away the collaborative aspect mm -hmm. of, you know, if I'm just doing all this shit myself, I'm not really like spending time with other creators and kind of like passing this energy and, and creating something dope, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One thing I noticed about Abisms 2, it seemed to have a little bit more, um, I don't know how to say it, spaciness to it, like sort of um, like an element of Afrofuturism possibly. Was that mm, something that you wanted to represent in that or want to represent in general? Or was that more just like, that's kind of what the beat makers came up with, a lot of spacey synth yeah. sounds and vocal yeah. effects and stuff like it had that effect but i just wondered if not to ask if it was on purpose but was like that was was that an intention or like that's something that happened you know uh that was definitely something that happened because like with my spoken word projects i i work i work on my spoken word projects a little different than how i do rap because mm -hmm. like with rap you listen to the beat you write to the beat and all that with spoken word though, I do it backwards where I record my vocals and then I send them out to people. I'm like, yo, whatever wow. you come up okay. with, whatever you come up with, I trust you because you know my ear for sound and I know you don't know what you do. Boom. So cool. with that, okay. it's kind of like when I get it back, it's kind of like it just it, it becomes what it is. So I think the fact that it had this like Afrofutural, like uh -huh. Afrofuture type sound was just by was by chance, you know, of just like again, I think that's what just happens when you click with the right people right, for sure. around you and just hand the right shit to the right people. Like they just kind of know what to do. So that was definitely not intentional. It was just cool. kind of like it happened as it did, you know? <laughs> I bet that's super fun to yeah. get those tracks back though. And oh, hear yeah. what someone did over it. That's, that'd be super fun to work that way. Yeah. I've never done that. Yeah. So. yeah it's, it's, it, cause for me, it's just like, it's, it's just dope. It's dope to do that. Just cause like for me, like in the, like the producer in, in the rap, in the rap, like, side of it you know the producer artist relationship the producer is handing the artist a beat and pretty much posing the question like what are you how are you interpreting this sound you know and then that's how our music comes so like for me just being able to be do it the other way around where i'm kind of creating these words and handing and saying like 
what do you interpret out of these words and how they're said? Like, what would you make out of this? Mm -hmm. It's kind of dope to see what creatives come out of, like, create out of it, you know? So it's a really dope process. And it's always like 99% of the time, I like the sound. So I never like push, I never send it back and say like, change something else. Cause I'm like, right. I trust the people around me, you know? And it's, you gotta be able to create like that. Give the creative kind of freedom. That's a provocative part of creativity, you know, let them do their shit and yeah, hands sure. off. I'm curious to know your thoughts, Obs, um, about, um, cause I would consider you definitely more of a conscious hip hop artist. Most definitely, um, most definitely. Do you have any opinions on the state of like mainstream hip hop culture like right now? Because I mean, I kind of noticed like in the last like, you know, couple of years, it seems like underground and sort of like the, the more mainstream stuff when you the stuff that maybe is glorifying like money and things like that. Um, yeah. Almost like there isn't really too much of an underground anymore. Like, mm. At least from like, I guess more of a mainstream perspective. Do you have any thoughts on that by any chance? Yeah, I guess I guess yeah, I have a pretty nuanced like, like altogether like being somebody who's a fan of words and fan of like just really like, like listening to to pieces that really are like really kind of push the limits create creatively. You know, like I'm always gonna be a fan of that. Like I'm kind of like I have a part of me that's a backpacker, you know, but then I have a part of me that's like experimental. That's why I'm like, I kind of like because I meander through all these like dualities, like art wise, like I think altogether, like one of my, uh, one of my favorite uh, creators, Propaganda, um, he quoted this in his uh, book that I just finished reading not too long ago, but he quoted somebody who said that like, and like in, in the world of creativity, you have the Michael Jacksons and you have the princes, you know, the Michael Jacksons who like were these just stars that did like, who had all like all this kind of support all this funding had like all the most flashiest lights for the shows and like put in hours for like these dancing practices to come become this full package, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like the kind of the main, the, the, the representation of mainstream isms, you know, and then sure. you have the princes who like just said like, Hey, y'all gonna listen to me by the end of the day. Like, I'm gonna just do what I want. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna even change my, I'm gonna even change my name to a, to an icon. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and y'all gonna listen to me, you know? And like, he kind of was a representative of like that undergroundism, you know? And like, mm -hmm. To, to parallel that, like to parallel like the Michael Jacksons and the Princes, the Kendrick and Drake's, you know, there's always going to yeah. be the Kendrick creative. There's always going to be the Drake creative, you know, even though I'm always going to be a person who leans on the side of like the Kendrick creatives. I understand the place of the Drake creatives, you know, just kind of like, I think I've learned to just see all, like all the art as like one, you know, like it's, it all belongs. Like at the end of the day, like creativity just evolves over time. Like years from now, like who, who knows what conscious rap will look like, you know, it might look like the thing that, we kind of despise now as creatives, you know, but that's just how art evolves. But on the other side of it though, from a, from a, uh, from a, from a concept level, I guess, like when it comes to mainstream and underground, like, I feel like, um, and this is just, this, this just goes into a whole, whole deep rabbit hole, but just like how, how kind of mainstream is are kind of set up to where like, it's about creativity, but not really, you know, like when you look at like, when you look at like black creativity, I have this home, I have this conversation with my with my uh, white homies all the time. But like, because I like I have conversations with my homies who are always who are who are fans of the NBA young boys, who are fans of the uh, mm -hmm. Chief Chiefs. Like uh, Chief, I said, Chief Chiefs, Chief Chief, Chief Chief. Oh yeah, Chief Chief. <laughs> like these artists over here who are creatives. Like I always have this conversation with my homies who are like, oh, they're dope creatives, and like they should be able to create however they want, however they feel, and like. I agree with that, but then I'm like, I have to like pretty much push back and say like, well, that's a sense of privilege that you're kind of saying that out of because like mm -hmm. you don't understand kind of the, the the psychology of music and how like 
a lot of music that you see, a lot of like rap music that you see mainstream. When look when when it's the the baby, little baby, even go back in history, like uh to insert your uh, gangster rapper here, you know, like they're 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 like statistically and even like from a psychological like level, you can prove this can be proven. But like a lot of the music that has been pushed, like a lot of the music that has been pushed, has like affected black communities in some type of way because like there's been an image that like mainstream says that like oh this is what black people look like you know yeah if you're black you must look like this and if you don't then there's a disconnect and like i i used to kind of like i used to struggle with that disconnect but like with that said like and again like it's i know it's a nuanced conversation where like it's also up to the, the individual to also be smart enough to like mm-hmm. kind of like make that differentiation between art and reality and also like our kind of job to really kind of make that a thing for kids growing up but mind you but uh, when it comes to like constant, like when it comes to just like how art, like how like mainstream kind of pushes like one type of art only, you know, when it comes to like black rappers, like African-American rappers and all that, I feel like that's the part where that, that kind of like affects me, I guess, because I've seen what it does on like a first person basis, like having homies who, who I grew up with, you know, who, I mean, Kendrick, Kendrick, like Kendrick Lamar's Art of Peer Pressure, that song, it talks, it's, it mentions what I'm saying, I guess, in, in, in three minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. sure, sure. It's just like, I think art, like when you when you listen to something so much that like says your image is this, your image is that, your image is this, you end up looking like that. And in turn, like with that, you end up being the person who uh who gets caught in the who gets caught in the system and this is yeah. studying other, but there's a whole there's a whole cyclical thing of that. Yeah. I guess it's it's a big conversation. But altogether, yeah. I think like there's a beauty in like the art, like just the art of rap being expanded in different ways, you know, cause that's just, that's just how art expands, you know? Well, that's exactly. one thing that I noticed about your stuff when I was listening to it too, is like this general idea of what it means to be something and, mm. and not just from what you're feeling internally, but from what society in multiple parts is making you feel too. The people right around you or society at large, like, I think it's really cool that when I listen to your stuff, what I come away with, what does it mean to be the things that you are, you know, yeah. and, and not just for yourself, but for everyone around you and like breaking away from that or being a part of it and all those different choices. Like, I think it's pretty um, introspective. And I think it's uh, it, like I said before, something that I don't hear that much in just uh, any kind of, music especially because so much of music is posturing and uh mm. being cool or whatever and yeah i just wanted to say i really appreciate that aspect of like exploring what it means to be the things that we are yeah i appreciate so. that i definitely appreciate that because like i feel like it's a journey like i tell people like in and out of it for me like it's it's a journey it's not a destination i feel like mm-hmm. you're, you're just continuously trying to figure out what that kind of looks like you know till 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 you did <laughs> but yeah, right and I, and I say that i say that now just like being 30 years old and like i think like it's I, i'm still i'm still kind of finding out what that means to me like just like as a 30 year old who like who is like uh who does rap who does spoke a word who does battle rap who mm-hmm. has a fucking bachelor's in educational studies who was a junior mm-hmm. high teacher and like having yeah. all these different parts of myself I've, I've had no choice but to just learn to be or else i'm like stuck in some type of box you know right. yep and like when i feel that box it's uncomfortable so like being in all these different being i always tell people like like even in the sense of just like being in organized religion and leaving it like i even though like i'm glad i'm not a part of that anymore i don't forsake like i don't 
like I'm not bad at the experience because again, like it gave me a different lens to look at life at to where like all these different like parts of me like are completely different, but they're all me. So like I just had to learn to kind of like just be <laughs> and not feel like tied down by mm-hmm. what someone says I should do as like a teacher or what somebody says right. I should do as like an artist or what someone says I should do as like this, you know, but just just be and like be be the thing that like my gut tells me to be, you know. Right. Yeah, sure. for sure. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, Obs, um, about your history. You mentioned um, that you do battle rap from time to time. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm curious uh, about a couple of things regarding that. Number one, what got you into doing battle rap? And number two, how your approach is uh, how it, and how it dif- is different than like your approach to making music or doing poetry so i don't know could could you talk a little bit about that yeah for sure like well yeah it's i don't know like like well, well first and foremost like poetry was the thing that got me into battle rap honestly because like well, spoken word really because like when i started really like doing this sort of spoken word the way that i was learning it like learning it from my uh my homie who was really versed in the uh versed in poetry and spec work spoke word poetry my homie chris Britton, he learned a lot of his poetry techniques from battle rap like watching url and mind you like there's two different types of battle rap. There's a battle rap that's like the traditional one that people think of when it's like each MC has a mic, they have 40 sec- 45 seconds to like spit over a beat. And then there's a battle rap that is acapella premeditated. You're writing your li- you're writing three rounds before of just premeditated material. You're memorizing it and then you're spitting it to your opponent. So that one's more like poetry, you know, cause there's, it's acapella and it's also what that be acapella. It's all about how you write. So like with that kind of battle rap, you have to be a writer. If you're not somebody who's good at what you do writing wise, like you get ate up. <laughs> sure. Cause like a lot of the writers, like battle rap, I will say is probably one of the most like profound, like literary arts that I've ever experienced. Cause like you have to really like, even with how battle rap is nowadays, like even there's, there's different components that kind of like make you like that help you win in battle rap. The biggest one is just like being able to know how to write, mm-hmm. like being able to like know how to have this like wittiness when you write, how to like, write one line and have the line mean five different things and right. still have it attacking your opponent, you know, <laughs> right. being able to like, being able to flip your opponent's name into something that's like being able to make a, your, your opponent's name a metaphor or a simile, being able to do all these little things, you know, for me, that's, it's, it's pretty much the martial arts of a, of a poetry of, of rap really, you know, but um, for me, I definitely do approach it a lot more different just in the sense of like, again, like it's, my, the whole my whole in and out of it philosophy hops into here too where like as a battle rapper like i'm a little bit different than others where like um i'm all about like for me like it's because i'm so a person who's about authenticity i can't really like talk about how i'm gonna shoot somebody up because like i'm not gonna shoot nobody up in real life so i was just like that don't translate so yeah yep. like, but, but we will fight under the right circumstances so <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> so like it's just like taking those parts of me that's our authentic and still putting that in battle rap and uh being able to like being somebody who's just a writer like i'm just really big into like i break down like writing like writing poetry and rap and battle rap i break it down to such a science level now to where like it'll take me i'll spend like i spent a whole day yesterday seven hours just to write 32 lines just to make sure those lines all connected with each other you know mm-hmm. but spending that kind of time it shows when you perform it or like do it so in battle rap, like I'm different than that, where like I'm all about just like thinking about how to come at my opponent in a way that's still me. But then on the other side, 
at the end of the day, like it's battle rap, like it's it's a battle. So like I'm me. But <laughs> right. yeah. with that though, I tell people all the time too, because like the last battle rap event that I did, mind you, like I've, I've been in five battle rap uh, cards. I haven't lost one uh, yet. But um, the last one that I was in, I battled an opponent who was a really dope opponent. Biz Hustle was his name. But me and Biz, we got in each other's faces. We were like, we got into each other's faces. We were very animalistic, loud, and all this. But at the end of the day, we're homies. But some people there were saying like they were scared that like something was going to happen. And for me, I'm like, well, we did a good job on the theatrics then, because at the end right. of the day, battle rap is theatrics. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you got to be able to understand that, you know. Like for me, like when I and for me to understand that. I think it's made it all the more easier to be able to like kind of come out of my like personhood to hop into this character so that like, so that I'm putting on a good, at the end of the day, a good performance for people, mm-hmm. you know, because sure. people like that as much as people are like about it. It's like seeing a bar fight. Like as much as we're kind of like, uh, we like watching that shit though, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's just like for me, like people like that kind of like energy that you put into it. So like, honestly, but like, it's, I feel like all my arts have been connect, have been interconnected in some type of way where like poetry, writing spoken or poetry kind of helped me write battle rap and all, mm-hmm. and helped me kind of like perform honestly, but also battle rap with like the performances being different where like you have to like emphasize your words a little bit more, slow things down a little bit more um, and be more aggressive. That's kind of like influenced how I do poetry, you know, cause like mm-hmm. the, po- the piece that are a lot more emotional, I know how to put that emotion behind it because of battle rap. So all my arts have always kind of like, influence each other in some type of way but battle rap is definitely a different uh different beast but i love it i love battle rap it's, sure. it's one of my favorite aesthetics Obs, i was gonna ask you about and this is where we die that was one thing that you mentioned oh yes that you were yes. working on what is that exactly yeah no i'm glad you asked because i actually just this morning I actually pushed that project through spotify and itunes and all that so it should oh, be out nice. this month all right um but um, that one is that was a special project. It's a really special project to me in the, in the sense that like it was written all out of like last year and kind of like the things mm-hmm. that I kind of like kind of like uh, things that I processed with like how last year was going and all that and kind of seeing how like a lot of like creatives now like a lot of creators that I like that I respect uh, kind of create projects that kind of like follow the same thread. I was, uh, it's kind of cool to see that being like, OK, we all kind of process mm-hmm. the same thing about the same thing. But and this is where we die. It's kind of like it, it kind of came from a it came from a the, the inspiration came out of a, a haiku that I wrote uh, at the end of therapy out of at the end of like therapy that I like went through uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the haiku is and this is where we die either by against will. This is where we die, you know, and it's kind of the understanding for me of just really realizing like with how last year was. I mean, the biggest thing last year taught me was that like life. Like, again, like it's as cliche as it is, like life is not like something to really take for granted. Like last year, like as a black male, I could have died to COVID. I could have died from 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 gang violence, from all these like from all the stuff that was happening. I could have died from uh, just going on a jog, which I which I do a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I could have died from a cop doing this. Mm-hmm. I could die from anxiety, depression, stress. There's a lot of things. There's like the seven deadly sins of like what I could have died from, you know. Yeah. But um processing that i i think last year it kind of learned me it, it kind of taught me to be okay with with death you know like realizing that like as cynical as it is like it, it's living in in this country again like there's no certainty that i that i won't die in an unjust manner you know i'd love mm-hmm. to not like i definitely would love to not but like there's a lot of uncertainty again like mm-hmm. it only takes getting pulled over by the wrong person 
being jogging in the wrong place at the wrong, wrong time and, and just getting, getting, getting messed up, you know, but I've kind of learned that like, again, what I feel like in and out of a kind of speech through, through, and this is where we died too, where like, even though that's reality, like there's also reality that like death in the sense of like death in a sense could be like, um, th there's other death that takes place, uh, that I could, that I could, uh, that, that, that I can go through, which is like the death of like, my ego, which mm -hmm. pretty much in, at the end of the day informs my fears, my anxieties, my stress, depression. I could die by the need of vengeance and violence against the the people who I'm mad at and stuff like that. You know, and like with all these different things, like it's, it's it was almost freeing to be able to know that like, even though like the end of the story is death, I can choose how I want to die. Like I can choose to die against my will, like being upset, angry, stressed, seeking vengeance, not really being myself because of the stuff that I'm realizing, or I could die by my will and knowing that like, I'm gonna die physically however I die and just right. be at peace however it happens, you know? But at the yeah. same time, like loving myself enough where I'm not allowing myself to to, to be subject to harm and stuff like that, you know, which mm -hmm. which which the project and and the, which is which is some some of what the project talks about, you know, I don't want to spoil too much, but yeah. it, it came out of, it came out of a lot of like therapy out of a lot of like mental breakdowns I was having last year and like really mm -hmm. processing them and really kind of really deep diving more into like what I see God as spirituality as, mm -hmm. and like really kind of allow me to be in a new plat, like a new platform there, you know? So nice as, as, wow. as crazy as it was, it was, it, I, I was grateful in what, what it produced. There was a, there was mm -hmm. a, there was a silver lining in all You're the right. chaos, you know? Mm -hmm. Sure. That's cool. I mean, I, I'm not surprised at how, deep that sounds i mean based on the other stuff you've that i've heard that you've put out yeah and no, I'm, I'm i'm really like I'm, I'm excited for it to, to to be out like i said it'll be out this month but like it's there was a lot of thought put behind it you know and again like a lot of creative hands who kind of help with it but mm -hmm. it kind of it, it kind of is like a, an evolved form of in and out of it really you know mm -hmm. or our next chapter you know i'm just like if you're in and out of it you got to figure out what that looks like when it comes to death because <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah because yeah. we gonna die you know so oh yeah yeah are you using the same uh producers or beat makers then for this project or there's yeah the, the producers of like the beats on uh in and out of it pretty much all of them mm -hmm. plus another producer are pretty much produced the beats for this one you know because cool. again they're, they're, they're people who kind of know my ear for sound and kind of like know the feel of certain like uh of certain tones of the project and stuff like that so all of them will be on this one but there's there's some dope little features on there like too there's a a battle rapper that i like i, I really kind of respect who uh who's really big like a big battle rapper who i was able to get on as a feature so that that was really dope too so there's a lot of good features a lot of good sounds and it's it's a, it's an interesting project i'm excited for it to be out for sure cool. yeah. Awesome. yeah i had a question actually about uh working with other uh mcs do you do you reach out to people that are guests on the record or do you meet them as shows how do you get in touch with them? I guess is my question. Yeah, uh, I go like I go like in a couple of different ways. Like it's if it's like a, if it's if it's a local creative, like it's a lot of the local creatives. Like I kind of know. So like if I have a, if I hear something and I know that they fit on it, mm -hmm. I just reach out to them and say like, "Yo, like if you want to do verse for this? You can." Boom, boom, boom. That's how that works. And then I think a lot. And outside of that, like uh, social media, as much of a as a as, as chaotic as it can be, it's been mm -hmm. dope in the sense of like. It's connected me to different creatives outside of the Quad Cities, you know. Mm -hmm. Like there's a 
like even without in and out of it, one of my uh, on the Metanoia, on the song Metanoia, Ray Barado, he's from Atlanta. I met him mm-hmm. through Instagram because I was a fan of his music, you know. Cool. So yeah. I'm always like, I'm, I'm never, I'm never if I if I hear good music that I really dig and artists that I really like that I really like resonate with on a creative level, I'm I'm, I'm never a stranger to reaching out to them and saying like, yo, your music's dope first and foremost, and I love to work with you. You know, I'm never a stranger to that. So that's awesome. I love that you uh, embrace the collaborative aspect uh, of music because I feel like it's almost becoming like a lost art in some ways, but then maybe mm-hmm. not. I don't know. I, there, there's a lot of collaborations that have been happening in music in general. So I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's, maybe that's just my cynical viewpoint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I feel you. It's, it's, yeah. This, I feel like it's, it's both ways. Like I feel like there's, there's obviously kind of get stuck in this, like kind of like a TikTokism. Mm-hmm. Like culture where like music's kind of made just for the sake of just like making something really quick, not oh, really looking true. at like not really looking at collabs and all that, but just want to make something quick and, mm-hmm. and and fast for people. And then there's creators who like really kind of still again, like it's the whole Michael to uh the whole uh Michael to Princeism, you know. There's also the creators who just take their time with creativity and like really think about um the collaborations they want, you know. So it's definitely a right. little bit of both for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, well, Obs, it was fantastic talking with you. Thank you very much for doing this. Um, oh, for sure. Know, Are you going to be playing out to support the new record, or do you have shows coming up? Or um, for these two records specifically, like, um, I don't really have like a. I might do like a little listening joint with uh, with homies and all that, but like mm-hmm. because I'm making this kind of transition, it's next year of like really kind of like. Uh, focusing on this like like a uh, this kind of like genre that I'm playing with called spoken raps, where I'm kind of like interwining spoken word and rap a little bit closer. Cool. With these projects, there these projects as like meaningful as they were, like they were kind of like me kind of cleaning out the queue of like the music I have been sitting on and being like, okay, gotcha. let me get this out, just mm-hmm. so I can focus on this. So like, I think whenever I have shows, whenever I'm booked for shows, like I think that's when I'm gonna do the shows. But I don't think in right. this kind of like pandemic time, it's kind of a weird yeah. time. Like it I'm not very- really like. For sure. I'm not really going to be planning anything, you know, if I do, it, it might just be a virtual joint at my, sure. uh, at work out of. Oh man, that would be sweet to see. Anything uh, else you want to promote? Follow me on, if, if you, if, if you follow me on, uh, Instagram, poetic ops, P O E T I C A U B S. I'll just, I'll send you everything I'm working on, you know? So that's the best thing, but now just keep a lookout for, uh, and this is where we die. And I have a little EP dropping, uh, around that same time too, called ratchet circus, you know? So, keep those on it. Like, uh, I hope you guys enjoy those ones. Like when you guys are uh, people listen to it too, for, I'm, I'm curious as to how, what you guys think, just knowing you guys are like really big thinkers when it comes to like art. So I'm really, I'm awesome. actually really excited for you guys to hear them. I'm yeah. stoked to hear them. Yeah. We may Exciting. have to do another OBS review on the podcast there. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. To me. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Love definitely. For sure. Well, thank you so much OBS for being with us. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we're stoked to hear what you got coming out next. So absolutely oh, for sure yeah i'm excited you know I, I appreciate you eric and daniel i appreciate you guys having me it was it was, it was a dope time yeah. i'd be able to talk about my art so i appreciate yeah. that sure. That was sure awesome thank you for giving us your time and absolutely y'all take it easy yeah we'll too. talk to you later yep have absolutely. a great one yep y'all too well that was a really good interview with obs don't you think <laughs> yes i do you know obs is a uh, part of the local scene and uh mm-hmm. i uh can't help but wonder if there's any shows going on in the local scene you know uh there's not there's not a lot guys it's christmas this week
I only know of two <laughs> things happening, and I'm not even kidding. One is called Space Camp, and they're from Des Moines, and they are playing at Lefty's live music. This is on Friday, the 24th, which is Christmas Eve. And this is sort of the description. They have uh, beats overlaid with futuristic key synths, turntablism, drum machines, hip-hop lyricism, looping and sampling live on stage. I don't know. It sounds interesting, right? That is Space Camp? Yeah, Space Camp. Oh, that sounds dope. That's on Christmas Eve. Then on the 26th, uh, we have at the Noise Bar which is in the Quad Cities. Um, Extrapolator, whom I don't know, but Blue Movies is also playing. Blue Movies is super cool. Uh, looks like Extrapolators from Oregon. So again, that's at the Noise Bar, uh, the Meadery, I think it's also called. Um, but yeah, that's honestly all that I was able to find. So well, I guess that's just the way it is on Christmas week. Yeah, so. I mean, they're... Honestly, I mean, who is going to put on a, a show on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? I don't know. But we have a lot of things coming up for New Year's Eve next week, which oh, yeah. we'll that's, talk about next week. That's going to be a doozy. We're also going to have our best of 2021 uh, episode next week, where Dan yes. and I are going to pick our favorite episodes that came, our favorite records that came out this year, <laughs> our favorite episodes. <laughs> Uh, there aren't any. I could have a list of least favorite episodes. Last week is probably number one. I don't know, man. I, was I thought asleep. it was. I thought those hip hop beats were uh, really cool, Eric. <laughs> I had to do something. something to spice it up. I was half asleep and dumb as hell. Um, but anyway, this week's uh, episode is way better because OBS brought it. Yes. You know, it, it didn't matter that I'm tired and dumb <laughs> yeah yeah well ladies and gentlemen <laughs> thank you for listening to um our interview with obs mm -hmm. um thank you for listening to our um our plot to the upcoming skater boy movie uh, -huh. uh the our pitch yeah uh thank you for listening to me talk ill of the dead mm -hmm. what else do what know. else is a takeaway yeah yeah okay I didn't talk about anything. That was our recap, ladies and gentlemen. Anything and everything. <laughs> In case you missed any of it. Anything and everything. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, next week, best of 2021. Yay! Get ready. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. Have a good day. <laughs> Dude. And we're laughing. Yeah. We're laughing. <laughs>